off in a day. Sitting there thinking about better days. And then you came around with your blue eyes. And now you're clearing up all my gray skies. You see me doing my little dance. You gave this man a second chance. I hope your love will never stop. I'm gonna keep on doing that monster hop. Hey guys, welcome to Talk Story Podcast. This is Ken. And I'm Scott. This is episode number five. Today's date is Saturday, March 12th, 2011. What's going down, Scott? Nothing much, man. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, we took a week off. How come? Well, I got a concussion. What? How'd that happen? Well, we went snowboarding and... uh... So we're out there on this mountain in Pennsylvania called Whitetail, and it's, you know, like an okay. hour and a half from, from where I live. So okay. I'm with a couple of my friends, and, you know, they, they don't really have that much experience snowboarding, so we're out sure. there, and near the end of the day, um, I convinced the one with a little more experience, took her up to the top of a, you know, slightly non-bunnyish beginner green run, and... Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's riding snowboards a lot like a motorcycle where it's a lot easier to control if you're going a little bit faster. You know, I didn't want to get her mm-hmm. onto a hill that was over her head, but I wanted her right. to get off the bunny slope because the bunny slope is just very not at all exciting. Yeah, and usually if you're snowboarding, a green hill is a little, just a tiny bit too flat to really get good speed. It's hard, yeah. Well, for the most part, but that was the cool thing about Whitetail is that they've got a good selection of beginner runs. And so, you know, you've got the bunny hill, there's the one where, you know, you you get on this thing called the magic carpet. It's basically just a ramp. Oh, I love those. Those are so great. You love those? I I hate those. Because, you know, I know whenever I get on those that I'm going to get to the top of the run and I'm just going to be, I'm going to be more bored going on a run than I was going up the magic carpet. Hmm. So Maybe, those... but it's a lot easier than using a chairlift, I believe, especially in getting off part, because when you're learning how to snowboard, getting off of the chair it can be pretty intimidating. You know, it's easy to f- flounder and flop and fall. Well, that's absolutely true, but then again, you know, the point of snowboarding isn't really the comfortableness or uncomfortableness of getting up there. I think half, you know, part, well, maybe not half, but part of the fun of snowboarding is the chairlift, because you get... You know that that ride—it's maybe like a four to five minute ride, going mm-hmm. up, and you get this this great view of the mountain, and you see people wiping out beneath you. And I think you know what I worry about really when I'm on that. those lifts is falling, because there's nothing but like a little bar, a tiny little bar to keep you, and you're like at least a good twenty, thirty feet up above the thing. And I just—I don't—I'm not afraid of heights, but anytime I'm on one of those, I'm always looking down and thinking, "Man, that would fucking suck if I fell from here." Well. I think maybe, you know, looking off might not be a good idea because that's probably going to help you fall. You know, you just put down the, the bar, put your snowboard on the little footrest, and enjoy the ride up. Oh, yeah, and those footrests are so critical, too, because any time that you don't have those footrests, my leg's just, like, falling asleep because all the weight of the board is just on one leg and the other's just dangling and not fun. So so what happened? How did you, how did you hurt your head? Well, we had... A couple of runs up on the slightly more advanced... I, I, I'll call it a beginner run. It's not a bunny slope. It's definitely not a bunny slope. So Was it a got, blue a blue one? No, it was a green run. So, oh. it, yeah, it's classed... I guess 
the same way. It, it's in the same category as a bunny run, but it's not a bunny run. You know, it's closer right. to a blue, pretty much a blue run with a green sign on it. So, sure. yeah, I had a couple of runs up there. In the first run that we went down, you know, my friend, I, I taught her how to ride the back rail. So, you know, she's uh, perpendicular to the hill, sliding mm-hmm. with her back rail, just kind of cutting the snow. And it really, really mm-hmm. helps to slow you down a lot. And so... That, I think, is the best way to get a feel for snowboarding. And so that first run, she's falling a lot. And, you know, yeah, I just of course. can't wait for her. And, I'm, you know, I'm having a good time because she was, she's really being challenged. And that's that's pretty much the reason that I took her up to that run. Because I didn't want her to have right. such an easy time, you know. But at the same time, I didn't want her to be in over her Not have fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's tough. Teaching somebody to snowboard is not easy. No, it's I. You know, I'm finding that I. It was hard enough learning it, but I think teaching it was you know twice as hard. So. So did that contribute to your injury? Not at all. Not at all. So no. the no, was, you know, the first run went pretty much without incident. You know, made it down mm-hmm. the mountain, perfectly fine. Um, mm-hmm. and then the second time we went up that hill, and this was the last run of the day. The sun had already set. It's freezing cold. You get up to the top, and you know the. We just wanted to have a good last run, and uh, so the famous last run. Yeah, you know, and uh, so I sent her down first. I gave her about a ten or fifteen second head start because, you know, I kind of wanted to just take the wide S turns and you know relax, have a good time, sure. not really sure. push it. But you know, it was it's a lot easier to watch someone from uphill. It's a lot easier to stop mm-hmm. and wait for them when you're above them than it is when you're below them. But uh, right. Yeah, she's going pretty slow, and you know, trying to maintain control. And she's doing a really good job of it. So I ended up uh, picking up speed, and I ended up in front of her. And so I'm, I'm taking these wide S turns, and a skier buzzed me. A these, skier? Yeah, a skier. These bitch ass skiers. I don't know what it is. It's like a fundamental. It's kind of like the the descent that goes on. You know, that conflict between sport bike riders and Harley motorcycle riders where, you know, they just, well, like, you're on the same thing, but, and doing the same thing, but you just don't mm-hmm. really mesh, and so, mm-hmm. this guy was a dick, I don't know what his deal was, like, he aimed for me, I, I think, you know, that's the way that really? I, yeah, and so, you know, he buzzed me, and I ended up, uh, kind of flipping from my back rail to my front, which mm-hmm. was fine, you know, and then I looked uphill at my friend, and my rail hit a patch of ice. Front rail hit, hit a patch of ice. Oh, no. And then it edge. hit snow. And because I was focused uphill and also mm-hmm. looking for the skier to, you know, kind of buzz them back, mm-hmm. uh, my back rail ended up catching and I went flying. And so, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. Though. You know, it, was, it, was an, it was an epic crash. So I'm flying through midair and I, I just remember seen the trees uh, going past me, and I, I was in midair long enough to think to myself, oh, fuck, this is going to hurt. This is going to suck. You know, like, in slow motion, uh, you know, I slapped the ground. slow motion? Yeah. You know, I hit the ground, and my head whacked the ice. I slid for, like, 10 or 15, I don't know, maybe 20 feet, it seemed like. You oh, know, no. But, yeah, well, there... you know, there's, there's a girl watching, and so, you know, I don't want to... Be all fragile about it, so you know I just got up, didn't even didn't even break stride, and you know I kept going. So uh, you just totally fucking shattered it. Yeah, pretty pretty much, you know, and got up, made it to the bottom I'm of fine, the run, and I'm fine. that's all right. Yeah, that'd be okay. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, just make like and. Well, you know, and the funny thing about it is that as I got up, nothing really hurt. My head didn't hurt. You know, the feeling mm-hmm. in my head, I didn't, I couldn't feel a bump on it or anything like that. So I thought, mm-hmm. oh well, you know, I'm probably fine. You know, I'm right. okay. And not the case. Not the case. I was fine. Well, on the on the drive home, you know, there's there's three of us, right? So one of our friends, you know, she fell asleep in the back, and I'm sitting up mm-hmm. front with the one that I was snowboarding with, and she's driving because you know I'm totally useless on the mainland for driving, right. and. We're talking, but I don't really remember talking on the drive that much. You know, I remember leaving the place, and I remember about 15 minutes of our conversation, and the rest is just a big blank spot, where I guess oh, there was no. maybe like an hour, hour and a half, where we were talking, and the next thing I knew, we were at a restaurant. Wow, you just blacked out completely? Yeah, but apparently I was talking to her the whole time, so you know, I guess that should have been my first indication that there was something slightly right. off. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. And so I ended up staying with them overnight, you know, from Saturday mm-hmm. to Sunday night. And I woke up on Sunday and it felt like a hand grenade had gone off inside my head. Yikes. It was terrible. And so... Yeah, it fucked you up pretty good, huh? You're, you're like, out of commission for a while. I talked to you, you're all, like, groggy and shit. Like, you like just woken up, but it was, like, the middle of the day. That's exactly what it felt like. So I went to work on Monday, and mm-hmm. we're moving offices from the second floor to the third floor of our building, and so I didn't really have to use my brain that much, just, you know, kind of helping move things, box things, and trying to get everybody set up with, you know, keyboards and mice and things like right. that, and, you know, just generally going through the paces with all the tech kind of stuff that I know mm-hmm. how to, I'm really familiar with, not, not much of a strain at all. And then on Tuesday... Uh, we have a doctor that works with our firm, and so she examined me, and I was a little bit off, so they sent me home for the rest of the week, so I spent from Tuesday, you know, midday Tuesday until, um, Monday, I, you know, went back to work this past Monday, and, uh, I had basically a week off, so it was, it was like, uh, my version of spring break. Yeah, except you spent most of it recuperating and recovering. That, that sucks. I'm sorry, dude. A head injury is, like, very serious. It's not something to joke about, but, yeah, I'm glad you're doing better. Well, so am I. You know, I, it's, I'm, I'm still a little bit tired, so, you know, I spend a lot of my time sleeping. I get nine, ten hours of sleep in a day, and then I go to work, and by midday, mm-hmm. I'm just totally out of it again. But the fog is cleared from my head, and... Good. Yeah, you know, I learned my lesson. I mean, life is dangerous, man, so wear a helmet. It certainly is. Wear a helmet. Yeah, life is dangerous. That's a pretty good segue. Speaking of dangerous, let's talk about what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, man, so I, you know, I woke up uh, yesterday morning and I got text messages and calls galore on my phone, and so apparently you guys had a tsunami. Yes, we did, and... Japan pretty much had the brunt of it. It was a massive 8.9 on the Richter scale. That's crazy, man. So I yeah, I saw some of the video footage from uh, Sendai. So sad. It's so fucked up. Like a 30-foot wave coming in, like six miles inland of shoreline, just devastating. It's it's not funny. It's not something to joke about, but it's just so fucked up that we got to talk about it. And yeah, well, my thoughts are with Japan. And, you know, when that happened, it was probably around 
eight o'clock, maybe Hawaii time, yeah, and we're watching the news and seeing all this shit go down, and I'm like, holy fuck, eight point nine, what are we gonna do? And then it comes to like, oh, tsunami coming this way, we better get the fuck out of here. And it was eight o'clock at that time, and I was just playing some music over at my friend's place in New Valley, jamming with some friends, and we saw this come through, and I was like, shit, I'm out, I gotta go. And so I go home. You know, they predicted that the tsunami was going to hit Hawaii at 3 in the morning, 3 a.m. Not very convenient, but it's still something that everybody was very, very aware of. And on my way home, as I'm coming back from New Valley to Hawaii Kai, I see all these gas stations, like, full. Like, people lining up to buy gas, and Safeway and all the grocery stores are totally slammed with people buying bottled water and toilet paper. That's such a thing with, like island mentality you know because we're so dependent on all of the the ships that bring all the products that we use it's crazy that when there's any threat of any kind of natural disaster that people flock to field gas get bottled water you know maybe some dry simon and toilet paper what's up with that yeah, I don't even like all the things that you could get. You know, I mean, you're stocking up on toilet paper, so you know, you you drink water and wipe your ass, but then you know, after two three days, you're out of food, and so what? I mean, does it? Yeah, you know, I I was there for the, the tsunami before that. It was kind of like a non event. The Chilean one, yes. Yeah, that was that was uh, pretty tiny, and so you know, I I worked at the mall at the time, which is less. It's a quarter of a mile from the water, mm-hmm. and so hey, I still say I'll, it's yeah. better safe than sorry. It's you know, it's better to have the warning go out and be like, hey, this could happen, and nothing actually happening than the other way around where there is no warning and scores of people die, like like it did at Hilo, you know, way back when. What was that, the 30s, 40s? Something like that. that I, I don't know. I just yeah. remember seeing that picture, you know, and, and you, know, you hear the stories about how the water went out and there's all these fish flapping around on bare sand. Right. So, the, you know, the school teacher takes their kids out, you know, to go yes. pick up the fish, and then, you know, just whoosh. Bad massive, idea. Massive tsunami. And they all got swept out to sea, and most of them drowned and perished. It's fucking tragic. But I think we learn from our lessons nowadays. And I love that we have that much warning in advance. You know, it's like, hey, earthquake over here. You've got a handful of hours to get the fuck out. Well, it's not just that. I think in you know past couple of years, we've had a lot more activity in the Pacific. And so mm-hmm. the Philippines got hit, what, twice last yeah. year? Yeah, and you know, there's been a lot more attention paid to these things. I, you know, I think this is evidence really that the climate is shifting. You know, something is going on with the planet. It's not happy with whatever it is that we're doing to disturb our ecosystem, or you know, I don't know that there's anything that humans can do to trigger earthquakes. Really, you know, what I mean, things no, like that. No, there isn't. A... And that reminds me of that one fucking time, maybe a few years ago, when there's like that article or people started panicking like oh there's going to be an earthquake tomorrow and so all the people were again rushing to Safeway getting bottled water toilet paper hitting up Costco filling up gas before the earthquake even hit and I'm just looking around I'm like you stupid fucks there is no way to accurately predict an earthquake and sure enough what didn't happen there was no earthquake. Was well, I don't know. Maybe no. that was like a marketing ploy by Safeway and Costco, you know, to come in and be like, oh, business no, 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 is no. slow. It's just a bunch I'm of just sheep gonna... just fucking crying out and panicking, thinking that somebody knew there was going to be an earthquake, when in all rationality, there's no way to accurately predict an earthquake. 
So at that point, I just shook my head. I was like, what the fuck? Really? It's just that, that island mentality, the hoarding mentality taken to an extreme even before the event happens. Well, maybe it was... Maybe Nostradamus said something. You know, I mean... You think about it, I mean, the world's going to end, right, on, what, December 21st, 2012. It's a Mayan oh my calendar. Oh, watching that fucking John Cusack like, movie. Yeah, seriously. Well, I, you know, I don't know, like, what, what, is, what is the deal with that? You know, things like, I, I mean, is the world really coming to an end because we're having more earthquakes and more hurricanes and more tsunamis, things like that? Not I, happening. I not happening. It's a fucking movie, and people are like, the Mayans, the Mayans, the Mayans aren't saying that the world's going to end in 2012. If anything, that calendar is off by, like, how many years anyway? It's just a fucking film that people are projecting their fears onto. Well, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying that I'm a believer in this sort of thing, but, you know, as a futurist, you run across these crazies, and there's all these kinds of theories, you know, that... Uh, yeah, like, none... these are the end times, we're all going to die. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, if, if Judgment Day was coming tomorrow, I mean, you know... What, are we going to stock up on bottled water and toilet paper? Is that going to make it <laughs> Is that gonna well, make it better? At least you'll be hydrated and you'll have a clean ass. Basically. You know, I don't know. Like My disaster my disaster response plan, I think for me, uh, having had a little bit of military training and just kind of like an off-kilter mentality, I have mm-hmm. a different crisis checklist. I do. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And so step one, rob the gun store. Uh, yeah. That's a bad idea because generally the people that own those gun stores own guns. That's very true, you know. But I don't know if it's maybe something because you know you can buy a rifle and then walk out, you know, same sure. day with it. And so I'm just gonna go down there and you know, Qaddafi all the ammunition and get whatever weapons I can. And I'm gonna go straight over to the pharmacy, rob the pharmacy for you know penicillin and all the medications mm-hmm. my mom's my mom had a kidney transplant so mm-hmm. she needs a lot of medications i don't know what she needs but i'm just going to take everything so mm-hmm. you know we rub that and then after that i wait for all you fuckers to go and you know clean out costco for bottled water toilet paper food and whatever and i'll just rob you fools wow so it's pretty much a robbing mentality kind of like a a looting situation where well, you just jump in and start stealing shit that's it's like the sublime song says you know i mean that's that's basically the way it goes it is it's it's like the looting the looting i think that that would you know in the event that we really did have a massive scale disaster like that i mean the rules go right out the window i mean basically something like, like that to, yeah be martial law and so you pretty much do whatever you want i don't know about that but i i don't think of myself as above that or i wouldn't participate in looting because that is something that i may want to take part in you know looting sounds like fun like hey get all this free shit you know you're stealing but everybody else is doing it i guess that doesn't really justify it but it's just something that i'd like to try out before i die i don't know i I guess my my feeling on the matter really is that if you're i don't if if you have some sort of a moral conundrum about robbing Mm -hmm. a store then just let someone else do it and then go rob them well, I do, because, you know, I like to think of myself as a moral person, you know, and a just person, and sure, i you know, stolen shit, I've shoplifted, and I'm not proud of it, but it's happened, and I'm not saying that if everybody else is doing it, that it justifies it, that it's okay, but I just, 
I, I just think it'd be fun. Well, see, the thing is that I this is what I believe truly. Morals and ethics really are a construct of society, and if society has broken down, then there is no right and wrong, there are no ethics, there is no moral construct left, and so of course, in that yeah, sense, yeah. I that guess that brings us to like the zombie apocalypse situation. Like you know, all the rules go out the window. Of course, there's zombies out there trying to eat you. Yeah, all that shit goes out. Exactly. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that you know. If if there was a tsunami, that I'd shoot your mom, but, you know, I mean... No, we covered that in episode two. We did. If you'd like to hear more about how we would treat each other's mothers should they turn a zombie, tune into episode two. Yeah. So... It doesn't go well. No, it Spoiler doesn't go alert. well. Yeah. <laughs> the, moms, the moms are not happy with that episode. I'm, I'm glad my mom doesn't listen to this. Or at least I don't... Yeah, you know, my I don't, mom doesn't even know what a podcast I got, is, so I, got, I think we're okay. I got my mom and dad on... Facebook, you know, because, you know, I came over here to Washington, D.C., and I didn't really have a way yes. to communicate, and so that probably is, you know, it's one of the easiest ways to get a hold of me, or, I, you know, I would, sure. I would think, you know, a lot of kids in our generation really, you know, if, uh, you got a six-hour time difference, five-hour time difference, kind of hard mm-hmm. to get a hold of, mm-hmm. you know, your kids or your friends, and you, know, you just Facebook them, and that's... Mm-hmm. It's a much better platform than email because, I, I mean, I check my email just as often as I check my Facebook, but sure. I think Facebook is the easier platform, and so, you know, I, I guess it's possible since we've been, you know, kind of plugging plugging a podcast that maybe my mom knows, and, hey, I really wonder how she'd respond. You know, mm-hmm. like, I didn't want to say openly that I would shoot my mom if she became a zombie, just in case my mom were listening to that. Are you saying that you would? Well... We're not going to get into that. This issue is close. Oh. Like, you know, we'll, okay. we'll leave it. This oh. is the facet of episode two. We'll, You're just we'll afraid that your mom is listening and you say, yes, you shoot your mom. I wouldn't shoot my mom personally. I'd just restrain her probably, even though it'd be fucked up and scary. I'd just try and restrain her. You know, because it's like, um, what's that Will Smith movie, I'm Legend, again, with the dog. You know, it's the same thing. He doesn't want to have to kill the dog, but he, well, I guess he does kill the dog, doesn't he? Okay, bad example, restraint. Yes. Well, I think of it more like Shaun of the Dead, you know, where at the the end, you know, Shaun is kind of sitting there playing chess with mm-hmm. his, you know, his zombie friend. I, you know, that movie was mm-hmm. funny just because it didn't really make that much of a difference in the end as the guy became a zombie, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, you right, know, right. I'm right. just saying, but, yeah. I don't know. But. Moving on. Zombies, zombies are funny. Zombies are inherently funny. Speaking of zombies, you know who else looks like a fucking zombie? Gaddafi. What the fuck is going on in Libya? Honestly. That's a pretty crazy situation over there. I know. You know. Democracy Watch, 2011. Libya is pretty much going through civil war right now. That fucker has dug in like a tick. Like, all the rebel forces are being repelled, and it's fucked up that Gaddafi is taking advantage of, you know, having free open air. There's this, this proposal for a no-fly zone, right? But yeah, basically... you know, it's it's really funny that you bring that up. Um, you know, hang on, let me take a look at this paper here. I want to see which paper this is. I was, you know, you get on the metro, and like I was mm-hmm. saying earlier, you know, like I told you that they give out free newspapers on the metro, right? Right. And so there's this guy. Uh, I can't, you know, I can't find it. I think it was in the Metro Express. There's this guy talking mm-hmm. about how a no-fly zone is the same thing as a war. It is, essentially, because, like Bill Gates said, you know, you have to call a spade a spade. In order to institute a no-fly zone, first you have to go in and take out the anti-aircraft, you know, um, equipment and whatnot, and that essentially amounts to a declaration of war. When you have to actually physically go into the country on the land and take out their defenses before instituting this no-fly zone. 
So technically, they're right. Well, I guess so. You know, but uh, you know, the the idea of the article is asking you, will the American people stand for this sort of thing? I mean, I think we've stood for a great deal more, and you know, especially with the situations in in Darfur, what happened in Somalia, things like that. Yeah. I think people do have a penchant in America, at least these days, for looking at these things and intervening. I, I think there's a desire to intervene on the behalf of humanitarian ideals. I don't know. Darfur and Somalia are a little bit different. Darfur is a, you know, a systematic government-sanctioned ethnic cleansing, whereas what's happening in Libya is different. It's more rebellion against the establishment. Well, but is that... so than the other way around. But is that to say that we... Do, do you support... I mean, do you support the idea of going to war and installing, helping these rebels to install a new government? Uh, normally I would be, except I, I would argue that we're already spread too thin as it is in Iraq and Afghanistan, especially Afghanistan right now, which is why I do appreciate Hillary Clinton saying, yes, we're for a no-fly zone, but it cannot be led by the U.S. It has to have international support because if we do go into it, it's going to be tantamount to us starting another war, you know, and that's not going to go over very well in the Arab world, so I really do appreciate Hillary saying, look, bitches, you fuckers need to step up. We'll back you up, but we're not going to lead this thing. Well, I don't know. Why not, why not just give these guys guns? You know? I mean, what? I, I, I'm not saying that I'm for or against... That's, that's actually going to happen because I believe that there are some uh, countries that are helping to arm the rebels. I don't know if it's us, but I know some other people are. Well, that's a it's a crazy thought, you know. Even we've got that recent publicity from Egypt, where you know our American-made tear gas was being used on the Egyptian yeah, people. Yeah, that wasn't so great. That's different, though, because the U.S. has a much stronger relationship with the Egyptian military than it does with Colonel Gaddafi. That guy's just a fucking lunatic. You know, he goes around. He his his uh, his bodyguards. They're all women. They're all trained killing women, you know, but they're all, like, supposedly virgins, and this dude walks around, he's like a Bedouin lifestyle, you know, he camps out in tents when he was visiting at the UN, and he had, like, this rambling speech for, like, an hour just talking about crazy shit, it was almost as bad as, like, Ahmadinejad denying the Holocaust ever happened, it's it's laughable almost, I'm, and in fact, I'm surprised that this guy is still alive, and nobody's on the inside, on his side, has tried to take him out yet, because... I can't imagine that he's going to stay in much power for very much longer. He's hey, holding out. Wait, so so, so something just something strange just occurred to me. So you're telling me that, you know, like what is what is the process for recruiting fine ass version bodyguards? I mean, so so is like you know a cavity search part of the interview process? I mean, you know, you put on your resume. It's one of those questions. It's like, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Have you ever had your cherry popped? I mean, is that is that really? Hey. Well, that is something that is verifiable, you know, because, like, you could take an OBGOA and they could take a look at the female. If she sells her hymen, then, yeah, she's still a virgin. But that's not necessarily exclusive because there are these fake virginity kits that have become the bane. And actually, they're trying to ban them in Egypt. And basically what these are are fake hymens. And there's a blood-like substance in it that... You know, realistically, people these days, they're all having sex before they get married. We're all fucking. You know, we're not going to be held by some religious standard saying, oh, no premarital sex. So basically, these women take these kits, they insert them, and then upon inspection and presumably consummation, 
that they bleed. Well, you know, so it's kind of this thing where the Egyptian government is saying, you know, this really brings down the standards of our society, and we should ban these fucking things. Well, so what? There's like a little black market for you know fake cooch caps or something. Is there yes, like a not little. Fucking huge. Like these guys are making bank selling these things to women. Because realistically, I guess it brings a lot of dishonor and despair to the women's reputation should it come to light that they're not actually a virgin when they get married. So who, I can who makes that. these kits though? I mean, that's that's crazy. That's a crazy idea. You know I mean? It's, it I, is. It's fucked up, but it's smart. I mean, somebody's like taking advantage of a, of a market. You know, there's a need out there to appear like a virgin, even though you may not be. And these guys are guaranteed making money. Was this a product to come out of the Middle East, North Africa? I mean, like, where are these things being made? You know, who's? Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like single it out, but they're Chinese made. Chinese made. So it's yeah, like a sweatshop, sweatshop full of like eight-year-old children making fake hymens. Oh, that's fucked up, dude. That's, <laughs> that's beyond ironic. Wow, you just took it to a whole new level. It is, there. No, but I, you know, I mean, that. it's like the whole idea of the the market of women that of actually have their hymens making hymens, making women without hymens. Them. Yeah, I don't know, or maybe it's you know one of Gross. those things where like. They go in like the the, the well, whatever Chinese girls are and be like, oh, I'm going to sell my hymen the same way that you know there's like a black market for organs and there's a black market for hymens now. That's that's kind of crazy, man. I don't know how I feel I don't about know if that. that's exactly the case, but it's still just as fucked up if you ask me. I I agree, you know, and well, and and by the same token okay. too, think well, why is it why is it that Qaddafi is still a colonel? I don't understand well, this. It was a, it was a, it was a coup when he took over. Like the, I believe the last leader of Libya before him got assassinated or died or something, and basically Gaddafi just took over. And it's so I don't know. This guy just cracks me up. I can't help but think that he's crazy, you know, because he doesn't look women in the eye. There's like this famous interview with uh, with Barbara Walters where he barely looks at her, you know, and he's just always staring up at the ceiling, talking about it, and he. You know, he used the translator, even though he understood English very well, you know, and he actually spoke a little bit. And, again, with his female bodyguards, and apparently he always travels in the company of a voluptuous Ukrainian nurse. Whoa, always. say that again? Yes. A what? Voluptuous Ukrainian nurse. She always travels with him. She's like his companion. I guess they're fucking or something on the side. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Well, this is kind of one of those oddities. So, I mean, I was just thinking of like the the job descriptions and the requests for applications that come out of <laughs> come out of this guy's office. You know, I mean, that's yeah. just supposed to be like, oh, personal bodyguard, but must be female, must be a virgin, must be deadly, uh, must know how to field strip a Tech Nine. <laughs> you know, yes. Something like that, you know. I mean, inquire then, within, like directly, directly above that, you know, wanted Ukrainian nurse. Minimum requirements, 36, 24, 36. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holla at yeah. your boy. Well, it's, isn't that kind of antithetical, though? I mean, like, this guy is obviously kind of big pimping, you know, like, cut off his exactly. entourage. You know, but, yeah, maybe he suffers from, um, from SDS. Maybe that's why he has to surround himself with all these women, you know? SDS, like... What is that? Uh... Small dick syndrome. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, well, yes. You know that doesn't explain why he's still. This brings comes back to my fundamental question: Like, does Libya, does Libya have generals? 
Of course. Well, then, technically, if it's Colonel Qaddafi, which is how everyone refers to him, I mean, if that's the case, well, you know, I think, I mean, if especially if I were part of a coup and I instituted myself, I situated myself as, like, the supreme leader mm-hmm. of a country, I would definitely mm-hmm. upgrade my rank, you know? Like, nobody would have Yeah, but at that point, ranking. that's just a, a, a symbolic thing. It's like, uh, President... Ahmadinejad, you know, of Iran. Is he was he really democratically elected by the people, legitimately? I don't know, because I'm very dubious of these guys that hold that president, you know, uh, title. They use it very loosely, like President Gaddafi. There's no fucking way that anybody voted him in because he basically installed himself. Well, I guess so, but you know, I, that's that's not my point. My point is not. You know his status as the the legitimate or illegitimate leader of the country, but you know it's the, right, it's it's the title, rank. Like, like rank yeah, yeah. Like well, why wouldn't why wouldn't you make it? Cause I'd be like, if it was me. I'd be General Qaddafi. You know, I, w- I would upgrade my shit. I would. Oh, wait, you, you I make like gen- I'd be like Grand Master Supreme Leader of everything Libyan. Something that like that. Title. You know, I mean that. I really like why. I don't know. Is that like a show of humility? Is that him being? I mean, obviously, this so. guy is not... Arbitrary. He's obviously not, you know, like, the most humble of people. I mean, if if he's got, you know, retinue of bodyguards and, you know, this nurse, mm-hmm. you know, then, yeah. I mean, why not? Why not upgrade your title? Well, because he's basically the laughing stock of the Middle East. Even the other Arab leaders know it, too. They're like, holy shit, look at this guy. I'm so glad we are not like him. Well, by the same token, though, you know, he's been in, he's been in power for... A really long time. Long Maybe time. You know, like my first. Well, what, what, what is your years. first? What is your first memory of? Uh, what was your first experience? Where's the first place that you remember hearing about, quote unquote, Libyans? Probably in the eighties when there's that whole Libyan crisis going on. Well, I, that was probably the first I really remember of him, and he was he was probably the same fucking lunatic that he was back then than he is now. It's just that it's come to light today, with his fucking. You know, rants and just his crazy values and fucked up ideas of trying to create a democratic slash socialist society that didn't really pan out. And it's also, the I don't know, another thing I, which is actually pretty smart of him, was to centralize and consolidate all of his power together. So... As you may know, Libya is made up of a bunch of tribes, right? Because it's a almost a nomadic society, right? Mm-hmm. And none of them really hold any power. You know, ultimately, Gaddafi is the be-all, end-all of everything that happens on a national level. So basically, these committees of these tribes go to him and say what they need, what they want, and it's up to him to decide what's best for the people. It's fucked up. It's not really a democracy. It's just him trying to maintain this iron grip on his country and now that all these people are seeing you know these other countries rebelling that they're getting these balls to stand up to him and ultimately now he's just trying to squash it by bombing his own people it's not right it's fucked up really well I actually wasn't at all what I was getting at but thank you for the analysis what am I missing here no I was uh, I was going back to a pop pop culture reference really like the first place I really remember about hearing about the Libyans was Back to the Future. The very first one. Do you remember that? Ah, At the very beginning, yes. you know, when they're standing, you know, uh, Christopher when Lloyd. And, uranium. Yeah, yeah. They'd be like, oh, where did, it's the Libyans. 
You know, and it's the guy with the the, the Uzi that is just like shooting at Doc Brown and Marty McFly, and oh my god, you know, then the flux capacitor goes off and the DeLorean takes off into yep. into the future and uh, or into and the thus past. begins the, the crazy adventures. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I think you know I'm thinking about it, and you know, this guy goes back all the way to the very first Back to the Future. It's ridiculous. You know, I'm I'm kind of glad that we've got you know, a, a term limit on how long a particular leader can stay in a position, you know, because if not, I mean, God, if if you can date, if you can date your regime back to, you know, Doc Brown and Marty McFly in the first movie. Or even before then, that was the 80s. I mean, you look at Cuba, you look at Egypt, you look at Libya, all these guys have been in power for fucking decades, you know, 20, 30, 40 years they've been running this show. And it's only now, with the advent of social media and, you know, such widespread internet access that people can actually communicate their ideas to each other and say, like, you know, it's kind of fucked up that this guy has been running the show for this long. We should probably get his ass out. Yeah, I mean, are they, like, waving their shoes at him over there? You know, it just makes me, makes me wonder. I mean, is there really anything to this idea of a Twitter revolution you know, Absolutely, I, yes. Because were it not for Twitter or Facebook, I don't think any of this would have happened in Egypt or, well, Tunisia probably. Tunisia is where it all started, really. But afterwards, the Egyptians that are a little bit more technologically savvy, they're the ones that really picked up the reins and ran with it. Well, kind of, you know, brings up the idea, like, whatever, like, is, is the good old-fashioned form of revolution dead? I mean, you know, I was, I think about the idea of, you know, how... Revolution started over here with, you know, our civil war, and it was a bunch of guys mm-hmm. just picked up guns, and they were like, oh, we're going to shut down your slave trade and cripple your economy because you're secessionists, and you're trying to, you know, get out of our country, and we're just not going to let that happen, and so we've I got all the factories so. and the guns, and we're going to squash you, Jefferson Davis. <laughs> oh, poor Jefferson Davis. I, I would argue that... The only thing that's changed is technology. You know, the intent is still the same. Basically, because they just passed out leaflets, you know, that and booklets and pamphlets and other printed material. That was their social media of the time. You know, now we've got Twitter, you know, and it's so much more instantaneous, but I think the process is still the same. Whereas civil unrest, people coming together to demonstrate and then ultimately acting on it. I guess, I don't know, you know, I think that's the part that I, that's the part that I support about the Libyans is that they believe in this cause enough to pick up guns and literally go and be like, alright, well we don't like you and your decisions and we're not going to stand for it and I've got some bullets so if I get a chance you're public enemy number one and I'm going to shoot you in the face. Right, so if you were a Libyan you know, living there right now, do you think you would pick up the cause, pick up a gun and fight against the establishment or would you remain peaceful and stay on the side like this is fucked up but I don't want to have any part of this I don't know you know I think I in the case of Egypt I really support the the peaceful means by which they incited the revolution by which they carried it out and I, I have nothing but respect for that method in that Not region so because it Libyans. worked because it worked you know sure. and, but you know I by the same token you know Qaddafi I mean just the fact that he goes back to you know, the 80s, and, you know, with his track record with the way that he treats his people, yeah, I'd like mm-hmm. to think, you know, if I were over there and someone was like, well, if if you want to fight against this guy with us, we will arm you, then I, you know, I'd like to think that I would pick up a weapon. You would? 
I think I would too because ultimately I am I am against tyranny. I am against autocracy. I'm against theology. I wouldn't stand for any other shit. But on the other hand, I'd be pretty afraid of you know being squashed and just smashed like a little tiny ant by the machine. Yeah, but there are worse ways to die. You know, I mean, the way I you're right, you're right because yeah, yeah, because it's better it... to die fighting for something that you believe in than it is to hide and you know regret it for the rest of your life. Well, not just that. I mean, you know, I think especially when you're fighting with your friends and your neighbors, your school teachers. Mm-hmm. All those people, you've got, like, the local paramedics on your side because, well, they believe in what you believe in, then, you know, it's one of those things where you just, you're going to want to try to stand up and be counted. it's a just cause. It's a just social cause. You're right. Well, how are you going to look your neighbors in the eye after that? You know, uh, the the worst possible case scenario for, you know, a coward or a non-patriot in that kind of situation is, you know, that regime change does happen and then, you know, you go back to life as normal and for the rest of your life, Everyone knows that you hid in your home when you could have done something with, you know, your friends and neighbors and parents and family dying around you. And you just sat in your house and told everyone, no, this is not the way to do it. Well, I don't know. To counter that point, what about Nazi Germany? Because at that point, it was a very nationalistic movement going through. You know, it was all about patriotism and, you know, being German and pure blood, but not all of the Germans believed in the Nazi ideals, you know, of being ethnically cleansed and being anti-Jew and, you know, it can go both ways, I think. But, you know, I I think the difference really, though, is that the the Nazi movement was not a civil war, though. That's true. You know, they weren't trying to institute regime change, they were trying to push a paradigm, and I think that's something very different. I think you know the mm-hmm. the Libyan situation is not at all about nationalism; it's about liberty. And I think there's a difference. I don't know because they, it goes both ways, really. Because you're right in that it's a it's a civil war, and it, it is fucked up what's going on there right now. And I and I hope something does happen soon, but it could easily go the other way as well. Where at what point are the rebels? really fucking things up. I don't know. The rebels do have the, you know, the, the cause behind them. It is the right thing to do to fight for your freedom. So I can't really argue against that after all. Well, I don't know, I guess. My big question with, with all of this, though, is that as we transition over from, you know, these, these autocratic, tyrannical regimes over to mm-hmm. forms of, of democracy, I mean, is this really going to give people the kind of freedom that they're looking for I you know I don't know that that's the case because especially if you follow the American model of things you know there's been a lot of backlash right. lately against you know the, the yes. exploitation of Western American liberal democracy and I don't sure, know sure. I mean I look at our country man like I you know I got a concussion two weeks ago and I couldn't go to a hospital because I don't have health insurance you know even even if I did have health insurance my health insurance covers me only in my home state you know, if I'm traveling like that, I don't know that they pick up the expenses. Really? Yeah. So, well, you know, the health insurance available to me is through UH, and I have a, a special deal with uh, the with HMSA, the Hawaii Medical, I think, Hawaii Medical Services mm-hmm. Association. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that that really covers, even if you're a student, I don't know if that really covers you if you're in another state or, you know. And uh, I the, the guy I share an office with is from... England, you know, and he's he's just totally aghast when 
I came and I told him that I wasn't going to go to the hospital because he just he thought it was a good idea that I would go to hospital. And sure. you know, I, I I guess you know if you're in England, even if you're a tourist, you know if you get hurt, you go to the hospital. They patch you up. They don't send you a bill, and you know I think I look at you know our educational system, our health system, all of that. I mean, if we're exporting this type of thing, man, the world's gonna go to hell in a handbasket. I don't know. You can't expect legitimate democracy to sprout up instantly because if you take a look at Egypt right now, now that Hosni Mubarak is gone, you know there still isn't a clear. You know, exchange of power going on. Sure, the military is holding on, but you can't realistically expect them to have actual democracy instantaneously. Look at our country. Our country, it took how many, like two hundred something years to get it right. You know, and who are you saying we got it still right? Don't have it right. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's not, my point. Right, but I think it's definitely a much more legitimate form of democracy than what they thought they had in the Middle East, comparatively. Well, I think legitimate in our eyes, you know, but then. I guess this is probably not. Maybe, maybe this is not the best example, but someplace like Syria, where you know they really held on to traditional beliefs and traditional ways of doing things, and they're very hostile to being told that they should switch over to the quote unquote better way, which they see as very Western. You know, I I don't know. Like I think I think about how the injection of American style democracy really changed the history of Hawaii, and it makes me wonder. Right. I mean, would we have been better off? Could we have been better off had we retained autonomy? And I, I just really, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think we would have retained autonomy at all because if not the U.S., we would have become a British colony. We would have become colonized one way or another. Well, then, it's not like Hawaii would have been an autonomous nation by itself the whole time. I mean, granted, we're part of the, the you know League of Nations back when, but ultimately, at that point, it was. Hawaii was too important not to get colonized by some other greater nation. Well, I guess so. You know, I mean, everybody you know, colonized for our beaches, man, and for our pineapples. That's kind of an odd thought. Well, you not know? necessarily that, but we have a pretty strategic location in the middle of the Pacific. You know? Yeah, you well... Think about it, whoever controls Hawaii controls a good part of the Pacific. It was strategic, I think, you know, during during the age of nationalism. I don't know that that's the case now, though. Yeah, especially now that there's ICBMs and fucking missiles that can launch halfway around the world. You're right. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, can we can we can we have our beaches back, please? <laughs> Is that too much to ask? Basically. What do you say? What do you think, uh, listeners? Hit us up, talkstorypodcast at gmail dot com. You can find us on iTunes. We are also on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is a little inactive right now because I've been fucking busy, but I will get on that. Are you ready for the game of what if, sir? Hmm, I guess so. This is this. I think uh, this is this has become pretty much my favorite part of our podcast. So oh, you say it, that every week. You know, like yeah, it well it is. You know, I look forward to this because. You know, I this is one of those books where I think even if I were at home, you would stop me from reading this because you don't want me thinking about the answers to these questions. But yeah, <laughs> that's true. And 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 to be honest, you don't know the question beforehand. I don't tell you what I'm going to ask you before we start recording. I I just pick it out, and all of these answers are on on the fly with Scott. It's off the cuff. He has no prior knowledge to what I'm about to ask him. Okay, so our game of what if is where I take a hypothetical situation and I ask Scott these questions 
to test his moral fabric to see what kind of a man he is. Well, you know, I want I, I want to say something here though. Like we've been right. putting out our email address. It's talkstorypodcast at gmail dot com. Plugging it yet again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think we've got maybe, like, 11 listeners, but we still haven't heard anything from you guys. So, as we play this game, or, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you think we're idiots, or you think we're brilliant, and, you know, we want to hear from you on these things. So Probably please. more so the former than the latter. Well, hopefully. You, one, <laughs> one can hope. But we do want to hear from you folks, so if there is anybody out there listening, please feel free to participate in the game of What If. And I promise you yeah. that should you send an email to us, we will plug it and we will respond to you on the show. We'll give and you a shout out. We'll give you a shout out. Yeah, and I mean, I may flame you mercilessly because you know this is a two man show. But especially if your answer is stupid. Yeah, but no. Well, none of our listeners are stupid, right? True. None of our listeners are dumb. They are smart, smart people, fine, upstanding citizens. All right. So, well, are you ready? I'm ready. So, what do you all got? right. If you could possess. One supernatural ability, Scott. What would it be? Any supernatural ability. A supernatural ability? Is this like, does this have to be something that a, a hero has had before or a villain or something like that? It could be something that a hero or villain has had. It could be something utterly mundane, like I can pop out Cadbury chocolate eggs from my anus at will. It could be any supernatural ability. You know, I, I poop chocolate eggs. Not necessarily that. That's not what I'm saying. One supernatural ability, what would it be? Okay, this, this is actually a really easy one to answer. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah, yeah. What's this your is an easy one. So, uh, do you remember when we were kids, there was a comic series called uh, Infin- The Infinity Gauntlet? No. What was that? Well, this is one of those Marvel comic series where, you know, like a All whole right. bunch of heroes and villains were thrown together in... I don't know if maybe it was like a big game of what if. It was just like a th- this big series where everybody was like fighting. I don't remember exactly mm-hmm. what it was about, but mm-hmm. there was this really really obscure. Uh, well, I don't really know if he's a hero or a villain actually when I think about it. But there's this this character. Ooh. There's this character called the Molecule Man, and he okay. had this special ability that he could control molecules, and so at will, you know, he could. If he was hungry, he what? could make himself full. Or if he didn't like his clothes, he could change them. You know, he could teleport because he can control molecules, and he can just, you know, send that's himself. That's fucked up. Hmm. That's a that's a fucking crazy supernatural ability. That's almost like cheating. You know, that's 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 like I could do anything. I'm God, kind of a. Well, yeah, I don't know. You know, like with with these things, when you ask questions like that, is it's like the it gets it's like the if you had three wishes thing. You know, you can't wish for more wishes. This gets around that because of it's just of one of those master umbrella abilities that would allow you yeah. to do pretty much anything. You'd be like, oh, I want wings. I want to shit Cadbury bunnies. You could do both simultaneously with if you had the the, the power of the molecule man. That is some. Powerful shit there. That is a supernatural ability. So that's what you would do, the ability to control molecules and to make yourself full? Well, not not just to make yourself <laughs> full, but yeah, I guess, you know, like to control molecules because I think that's, it's a significant enough ability that it would allow me to get everything done in my life that I, I would like to get done, you know? Then I could, I could be several types of uh, supernatural beings at once. 
That's a cop out. That's a, that's a fucking cop out answer. Like I could I could do anything. I could be like Wolverine and regenerate my health very quickly when I get injured, or I could be like Magneto and control metal. Not you know, not. Oh, it's not very quickly. It would be instantaneously, and that that's the point. Oh. Is that oh. you know like there's nothing that you could do to me, like. Well, I stand corrected, sir. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. anyway, I don't know. What what, what about you? What, what what would you pick? Would would you shit Cadbury bunnies? No, that was just something I thought of, like, right then. That was just on the spot. It wasn't probably the best example. But if I could possess one supernatural ability, I would probably want to be able to fly. I think that would be fun, flying. Well, how, yeah, how, do, you mean fl- how have... do you mean fly, though? Like, would you have wings or, you know, just, would be no, like, like Iron Superman Man? style. Superman no style? No external, you know, thing to give away any, you know, anything I could fly. I'm not like Archangel or I've got these gigantic wings. You know, just just not like Iron Man where I have rockets and shit. Although technically speaking, Iron Man doesn't possess supernatural abilities. It's technology that helps him out. Kind of like Batman. Batman isn't really a superhero because he's just Bruce Wayne, you know, but it's his amazing gadgetry and his unlimited amount of wealth that allows him to do such things. But no, I, I I'd wanna be able to fly I don't I wouldn't want massive wings or anything. I just wanna be able to you know up, up, and away. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the wing thing is like part of the coolest thing about, you know, being one of those those types of superheroes. Like Arch- yeah, Archangel, yeah, but then is... they get in the way, you know. And you want to like take a shower, your feathers get all wet. And you got to use conditioner and dry it out. It takes all night. You know, some girl could be calling you up. And you're like, hey, let's go out to a movie. You'd be like, I can't. I'm washing my wings. I'd love to. It's it's not you. It's me. I'm sorry. I guess. I don't, yeah, I, I don't want that. Really... I wouldn't want external appendages. So you because wanna... then you get funny loads and you'd be like, what the fuck, dude? That guy's got wings. You know, I wouldn't want to give myself away, I guess. I'd still want to appear normal, but be able to fly. That'd be badass. Yeah, no, I guess I, I gotta agree with you. I think uh, flight would be definitely one of the coolest um, supernatural powers. Or, I don't know, definitely. maybe maybe teleportation. You know, not like if I could be Nightcrawler without looking like a freak. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. You know, just like, well, uh, but, yeah, but Nightcrawler could only teleport to places that he knew or could vision in his head. Like, if he, like, teleported himself in through a wall, he'd be done, you know? So he kind of that kind of limited him. His or there's, uh, there's another one. I think it was uh, Image Comics had a guy. This was in the Geomancer series where uh, mm-hmm. the guy could, like, step into shadows. So, you know, he could access anything that was in shadows. So, you know, they'd, like, pop, oh, pop, pop out of your shadow... Or reach into your pocket, but not in into the sunlight, and you couldn't go into the. Wow, that's fucked up. So you yeah. can manipulate shadows, kind of like uh, Shikamaru from Naruto. Yeah, Weird. kind of, kind of. But it's just, that's another, that's another kind of cool. And you know, he was a totally normal-looking dude, nothing. At all, you know, weird to like give away his superpowers or anything like right. that. As soon as it turned nighttime, you know? or if you're in a shadow, watch the fuck out. But yeah, and you step into a dark room, and you're in, you're in a heap of trouble. And you just got like fists and feet coming at you from all. You. How are you gonna fight something like that? Seriously, how do you fight something like that? Hit us up, people. Talkstorypodcast at gmail dot com. All right. Well, I you know I guess that's about all the time we've got for this week. So for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Please continue to download us, and for fuck's sake, people, please throw us some comments here. We really do want to have interaction with you, and we want to talk to you, hear your thoughts, let us know what you think. Talkstarypodcast at gmail dot com. Mhm. Mhm. All right. Peace. <laughs>
Walk 